0: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Tuesday afternoon, December 19th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. 28 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies. Going up to 35 today, but with a wind chill, it'll feel like the upper 20s. But a warm-up is on the way. The details in the five-day forecast from AccuWeather coming up in just a couple of minutes. The markets are higher this afternoon. Let's get the latest on trading from Bloomberg and Ann Cates.
1: Rob, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 188 points, the Nasdaq up 60, the S&P 500 up 19. A top Federal Reserve official has suggested that policymakers could start cutting interest rates if inflation continues to fall and approach the 2% target. But Richmond Fed President Thomas Barkin says any decisions will depend on economic data. The pace of construction on new homes soared in November, with housing starts up almost 15%. Analysts with BMO Capital Markets say the solid reading from the housing sector re- enforces the soft landing narrative. Back to you, Rob.
0: Thanks, Ann, We'll check in with you at 1223. Nomophobia. It's the fear of being without a mobile phone. It's real and it impacts many people. We'll talk about that in our next segment. But first, a surge in holiday spending collides with data, revealing financial strains for many as more people live paycheck to paycheck. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Gus Fauche, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services based in Pittsburgh. Gus, thank you for joining us today. And one of the big debates in economic and in public policy circles over the last a uh, uh, couple of weeks or so, is getting trying to square people's personal situations with the overall trends in the economy, and that the economy is, Gus, I think you would agree, the economy is strong. It's strong compared to where it was uh, certainly three years ago, and it's considerably stronger than where it was 16 years ago during the depths of the Great Recession people want to spend, and yet they feel badly or they feel very nervous about the way things are going.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a result of the high inflation that we have had and that we continue to see. Uh, Inflation has slowed, but it's still higher than the Federal Reserve would like. Uh, People see that prices are going up for many of the things that they buy every day, and that has people anxious, even though we continue to add jobs and wages are growing at a solid pace. 62%
0: 62% of Americans say they are living paycheck to paycheck. Now, what is the definition of paycheck to paycheck? Because every now and then, uh, you see someone talking about how they they live paycheck to paycheck. And, and once they, they sock away everything for saving, whether it's their retirement account, whether it's their uh, college savings account, whether they are putting away money for some sort of rainy day, and they say, once we take care of all those obligations, I live paycheck to paycheck. And if you're saving a lot of money, you're technically not living paycheck to paycheck.
2: That's right. But many of those funds can't be touched. I think it's people who feel that they couldn't uh, afford an unexpected, uh, you know, substantial bill. So their car needs to go into the shop and they need to spend money to replace that. They face an unexpected medical bill. So, yes, they may have savings in a, in a 401k, but that's not easy to access. You have to pay penalties. And, and so many people are stretched, particularly with the high inflation that we're seeing.
0: At the same time, though, 18% of shoppers say they will spend more on holiday gifts this year compared to last year. And it seems that uh, what you tell a survey taker and what you do with your wallet are not necessarily in agreement. I mean, if you really were worried about your finances, you wouldn't spend more this holiday season.
2: That's right. I think that people are concerned about inflation, yet at the same time, wages are going up, the economy is adding jobs, uh, household wealth is higher, the stock market is up in recent months, house prices are rising. So I think that the the drivers of consumer spending are still pretty good in late 2023, even as the economy continues to deal with high inflation and even as many households feel stretched right now. Is this
0: a situation where the psychological wounds from inflation, even though it only took place over the course of 18 months as opposed to an entire decade uh, in, the, in the 1970s. It's going to take a long time for those wounds to heal.
2: I don't know if it's going to take a long time, but we're still feeling the effects. We haven't had inflation this high in 40 years. Uh, people are scarred by that. Uh, my expectation is is that you know by the time we get to the end of 2024 and inflation is back to the Fed's 2% objective, that people will be feeling better about things. But this has been a uh, very difficult circumstance. It's been a very unprecedented circumstance for most consumers.
0: Gus Foche chief economist, PNC Financial Services in Pittsburgh. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, not having access to your cell phone may cause nomophobia. We'll explain. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Nomophobia, the fear of being without a mobile phone, isn't just a personal struggle. It's also affecting many workers' productivity. Joining us to explain is Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media and former tech editor for the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Paul, thank you for joining us today. And 20 years ago, if we were to pitch the idea of someone having severe anxiety, if they were without their mobile phone, you could say this was the jumping off point for some sort of uh, science fiction satire. But these days, it's very real, and there's a basis in reality for it. Uh, 89% of Americans check their phones within the first five minutes of waking up which is, you know,
3: reflective of that, of, that, of that phobia of not having your phone. Um, and it's every aspect of that phone. First of all, let's just start with the location of the phone, which is in most people's pocket most of the time. Um, and so it's in, that concern about missing out, that concern about not being connected, is enhanced by the fact that it's next to you all the time anyway for the most part. Um, but that's, I mean, I, and here's an interesting stat. Um, 75% have used or will use their phone when they go into the bathroom. So, I, I mean, it's if that if between waking up and going to the bathroom is over 75%, you, you, it is for sure. The stats are reflecting a, a real, you know, as you said, an anxiety about. Um, that's probably unprecedented in in, uh, in in our history, at least technologically speaking.
0: Well, the 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 smartphone has means that all sorts of different things in your life. Let's say in 2004, uh, whether it is a book or a newspaper or some other form of media, it all kind of goes through the phone right now, and it's all there you might you you might have started your day with the morning paper in 2003 and and now you can look at your phone a digital copy of that paper is available to you immediately so it's taking the place of a lot of things that you used to uh do habitually but now it's all digital and in one centralized location
3: that's right and i'd add one one other layer literally and figuratively to that to that observation which is that there's an algorithm it's no longer passive you know how Newspapers, to a degree, were relaxation when they were in print. I mean, I used to write for newspapers and magazines, um, including you know New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and all those were at least in many cases for the for the consumer of the news a relaxing process because it was a choice made by the consumer to go pick up the paper, buy the paper, read the paper. At this point, because of algorithms, there are those interests that you have within that newspaper it used to be your own private choice about which article you read. At this point. There are huge numbers of news services and lots of other folks who know exactly what your choices are. This is not a surprise, but that has become, it, you, it's gone from uh, passive to active. The active is on the part of the folks pushing you that information. Result, to your point, everything, newspapers, shopping. I just shopped for something for my wife. Please don't tell her uh, for Christmas. <laughs> and um, it's an awesome pair of snow boots, by the way. Anyway, but, that, but by the way, that was served up to me in my phone. And I got a little notification that thing I was looking for was available. So, yeah, it's no longer passive, it's active, and the activity is no longer on the part of the person with the phone, it's in the part of the person or the or the organization delivering that information.
0: And once again, to show you how uh, more things are going through your phone, if you were to tell that joke about uh, buying a gift for your wife, uh, since you're in Massachusetts and I'm in Chicago, the only way she could have heard that is if there was some sort of atmospheric condition that would have allowed the 780, <laughs> 50,000 watt AM signal to make it all the way out to Massachusetts. But now she can listen to the station on the Odyssey app, Hand Over Your Heart, which is available on your phone? No,
3: no promotion there. What's Absolutely that's no not promo. Um, <laughs> but but let me just say something. First of all, my wife is a dedicated listener to everything I do. Good. Uh, except for except for most of the day. But At any <laughs> rate, um, you're absolutely right. The, the fact is that those those sort of quiet spots in your life, which were reading the paper, disappearing from the news, you know, ignoring almost everything, have if you have your phone with you, have not only delivered all that information to you, willingly or not. They are built to remind you to keep looking. Um, and, that's that. again, this is, that's not news. I mean, you know, there are lots of large organizations, including Meta and Google, who figured out a way to push all that stuff to you quite quickly. In the end, it has definitely resulted, back to the subject of the conversation, in a, in a real feeling on the, on the part of massive numbers of folks that they can't be without that device. And results, we're looking at it all the time, and uh, we have great fear if we're without it.
0: And it's, so it's more of a fear of missing out as opposed to, uh, this is my primary form of communication and I'm going to miss out on an important call, or uh, all of my financial information is on this device and if it's not within my site, I'm afraid about my, my personal information being compromised.
3: Yeah, I'd add one more layer. and that you're, I think, first of all, yes to both. And I'd add one more layer. And that is that there's a part of our brain that is really deeply satisfied when we are, um, when somebody reaches out to us or something reaches out to us. And that satisfaction, that feeling um, that your brain, you know, a little dopamine gets secreted, right? Um, when that notification comes in about those boots being available, well, you keep wanting that. And that is, in fact, an addictive behavior. Um, you know, your decision about whether or not you can fight that feeling of addiction, but. It's not just, hey, I want to stay connected and I'm fearing of missing out. It's I'm fearing missing that wonderful feeling that I have just been contacted.
0: Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media, former tech editor for The Today Show, based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, a few tax, to, uh, tax moves that you can make before New Year's Eve.
1: Call from mom. Answer it.
4: Call silenced.
0: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. As the year comes to an end, optimizing your finances with smart tax moves is key. We welcome in Dan Rahill, wealth strategist with Wintrust Wealth Management in Chicago. Dan, thank you for joining us today. And what are some things that you can do before December 31st that uh, can lighten the load come April 15th? Sure, Rob. Uh, Thank you for
5: having me on. And let me throw out some of the basics and maybe a few ideas that people hadn't thought about. Uh, First one is charitable deductions. Uh, If you itemize your deductions, and that's important because only 10 percent of taxpayers itemize now. It was 30 percent before 2018. Now it's only 10. It's going to go back up uh, in 2026 when certain provisions expire. But Accelerating those itemized deductions, if you're a married couple and you have itemized deductions over $27,700, you can itemize. So pay those uh, charitable deductions before the end of the year and always appreciated property is best. So if it's stocks or real estate that has appreciated to avoid the capital gain uh, on later selling that property, give that property away now. Um, If you are a retiree over the age of 70 and a half, uh, you can also give directly from your IRA up to $100,000 to charity. And that's actually a great move because you can lower your Medicare premium deductions that way in the formula that that works. So that's that's charitable deductions.
0: We're talking to Dan Rahill, Wealth Strategist, Wind trust Wealth Management in Chicago. Uh, if you do have, uh, if you are looking at potential capital gains taxes uh, for 2023, uh, but we let's kind of go in-depth on the idea of harvesting tax losses, or as I like to call it, uh, let the dogs out. Uh, sell your dogs uh, and take a loss on them so you can limit your tax bill next year.
5: Sure, sure. We should all look at capital loss harvesting at the end of the year. If we're invested in stocks and bonds in the market, uh, you can deduct a net loss up to $3,000 against your ordinary income. And if you go over that, it will carry forward to future years so you don't lose it. So uh, just be careful as you're looking to sell those dogs that you don't run afoul of the wash sale rule, which is you don't you cannot buy that stock either 30 days before or thirty days after incurring that loss or else it washes and the loss just carries forward. But it's a great idea at the end of the year to get rid of those dogs and get up to a current three thousand dollar tax deduction. Now Rob, the one thing that people don't always think about if you're in a lower tax bracket for a couple over eighty nine less than eighty nine thousand two hundred fifty dollars you could do capital gain harvesting, which is just the opposite. If you your taxable income is less than $89,000 as a couple, you can sell capital gains to be in a 0% tax bracket. So if, if you have a particular down year, sell your gains to the point where you don't exceed 89250 but you will pay zero tax on those. You can buy them back. There's no wash sale rule for gains. And therefore, you're saving your money, uh, yourself some taxes in the future.
0: Dan Rayhill, wealth strategist with Windtrust Wealth Management in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead, discovering budget-friendly winter getaways that won't break the bank. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station. News Radio 105.9 the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM.
1: This is Nancy Hardy. An assessment of another proposed migrant shelter location on Chicago's south side finds environmental concerns.
0: The nation says farewell to former Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. It's Travel Tuesday on the Noon Business Hour and we're taking a look at unconventional winter getaways, plus how AI could soon be a central part of travel planning. WBBM Business Business. The markets are higher. The Dow is up 193 points. NASDAQ up 62. S&P 500 up 19. 28 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies. Going up to 35 at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour. Another proposed migrant site this time on the south side with environmental issues. The details from WBBM's Nancy Hardy. A
1: consultant's report finds a 275-gallon fuel oil tank put underground at the site near 114th and Hall. 70 years ago may still be there a dry cleaning facility that occupied the space before it was a grocery store and a gas station next door also raised environmental concerns the city halted plans to use the site last week to house upwards of 1400 migrants temporarily because it said it was no longer needed Nancy Hardy news radio 1059 wbbm
0: the nation said goodbye today to the first woman ever to serve on the U.S Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor served the nation's highest court from 1981 to 2006. Her funeral took place today at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., where President Biden gave some remarks.
6: President Reagan described her as, and I quote, a person for all seasons. And it was a person for all seasons who we saw at that hearing. And the Americans and the world would see through her extraordinary service as a justice and I might add, as a citizen.
0: O'Connor was a key swing vote when she served on the court and influenced some of the nation's biggest cases, including those involving abortion and affirmative action. She died December 1st at the age of 93. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are higher today. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com in in Hammond, Indiana. Chuck, thank you for joining us today. And uh, we are in a full-throated rally right now. The Dow up 201 points uh, above 37,000, the industrials are, and uh, we're not even talking about the S&P 500 anymore. Chuck, we're talking about the potential for the S&P 5000 sometime in 2024. Yeah,
6: it's 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 good to be a stock owner, at least for the last eight weeks or so. As, as you mentioned, Rob, we've had a tremendous move in the market uh, off of the, starting with the beginning of November, and the setup for the market, you know, going forward is 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 quite solid. I mean, you've got plenty of firepower still on the sidelines. When you look at the literally trillions of dollars that are still in money markets that can come off and provide fuel to this, we're in a seasonally strong period of the market. Um, favorable trends in those three major engines of the market, interest rates, inflation, and corporate profits, valuations. Uh, at once you get outside, some of the, the, the largest stocks are, are not stretched. And finally, you've got really broad-based leadership here where it's not just the mega cap stocks, but it's small stocks. The Russell 2000 is up 1.5% today. And and so, uh, you know, these are the sorts of things that really can propel the market significantly higher. And uh, again, the setup going into 2024 is pretty solid here.
0: There's a lot of talk this week, especially as we head into the Christmas holiday, talking about the Santa Claus rally. Uh, Historically, what is the Santa Claus rally? And is that what we're seeing right now, or is this just the general optimism uh, that we saw last week about interest rates and inflation during the Fed policy meeting?
6: Well, it's a combination. I mean, it's, it's the, seasonally, this is usually a pretty good time for the market. When you go back and look at how the market has performed in December, it's, it's generally been pretty solid, and people have coined that with the Santa Claus rally. This year, Santa Claus is getting kind of jet-fueled by the, the fact of, you know, the Fed seemingly, you know, stopped. It's not going to be increasing rates here, it appears. And it looks like in, in 2024, you're going to see the Fed start to reduce rates uh, down. And that uh, has really kind of given the, the market enough uh, Interest rates have been the biggest thorn in the market side here because interest rates partly, you know, they price the attractiveness of alternatives to stocks. If you can get 5% on your money market, it makes that look a, a bit more enticing than owning stocks. However, as interest rates start to trend lower, along with inflation, uh, you know, that, that really provides a lot of energy for stocks, and we've, again, seen that here over the last five, six, seven weeks.
0: And then uh, lastly, and, and I'm, I'm guessing the answer is not going to surprise very many people, but uh, what is the Dow theory telling you?
6: You know, the Dow theory is still firmly in the bullish camp. We would like to see, to kind of reconfirm the bullish trend, a move in the Dow Jones transportation average above its July 23rd level, which is 16695 So the transports have a little work to cut out for them, but as long as they continue trending in the right direction with the Dow Jones industrial average, you know, that's okay. What you don't want to see... And what would be a major negative for the market would be that the Dow Jones transportation average fail to go above that level and then turn tail and go below the October 22nd level, which is around $13,500. Uh, you know, the biggest risk in the market next year is really, in my opinion, is, is recession. And as long as the Dow Transports can stay above their October 22nd level, which is 13556 I don't think we'll see a recession. So- As is often the case, Rob, the Dow Transports, even though nobody watches them (laughs) except us, tend to be the the canary in the coal mine and probably the biggest... Uh, index and investors should be watching right now.
0: Chuck Carlson, CEO Horizon Investment Services, publisher publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com, your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Travel Tuesday on the Noon Business Hour. Today we're exploring unconventional winter destinations beyond ski slopes and beaches. We welcome in Cindy Richards, editor in chief of ShebysTravel.com in Chicago. Cindy, thank you for joining us today and just Based on pricing trends, January through March, the off-peak period, uh, you could throw a dart at pretty much anywhere in the world and have a good deal on a vacation at wherever that dart lands.
1: Absolutely, Um, except unless it's the Caribbean or Colorado and you're going on a ski vacation or a beach vacation. But um, I actually have a friend who just waits for the Southwest flight deals to come out, plugs in her home airport, and picks the cheapest flight. Uh, you know, wherever she's going to end up. And that's where they go on vacation in uh, in the winter time. But, you know, I was just checking some flights this morning and, you know, even places you might not think about, like Europe, London, Paris, Ireland, the flights are half price if you fly in January or February. New York City, one of my favorite places in the world, is ridiculously expensive, except not in January and February. And even better, if you happen to be a foodie, just like Chicago, they have a restaurant week that happens at the end of January and the early part of February. You get into your favorite restaurant, the one you've always wanted to eat at, for a fraction of the price,
0: right? If, if you're not if you're not a ski bum and uh, you're not really itching to uh, get some sun and sand, uh, you could go to a lot of places in America and around the world. As you mentioned, uh, you could take advantage of uh, a lot of the fun stuff in New York. If you're a big uh, history person, you can go out to our nation's capital and uh, take in all of the uh, museums and cultural heritage sites.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. D.C. is always a great place to go, especially if although it's tough to travel with your kids in January and February. But, you know, there's some long weekends, a little harder to get deals on the long weekends, President's Day and um, MLK Day. But you never know. You might be able to find a great deal. And, you know, you can take your kids to D.C., stay in a decent hotel, and a nicer one than you would have thought possible for less money. And, you know, and then in D.C., it's always great because uh, every one of the Fabulous Smithsonian museums are always free
0: and, and you don't necessarily have to go someplace warm, but you could go someplace warm er uh, relatively speaking and I can vouch for Charleston, South Carolina. went there in March uh, about 12 years ago they have a food and an annual food and wine festival that's a lot of fun but even uh, outside of that formal event, uh, Charleston has a great is, has, is, a, is a great food city.
1: Oh yeah! In fact, I was looking at Charleston this morning uh, before we talked, and they're going to have an oyster festival. I'm not a huge oyster fan, but if you are, they're the freshest and amazing, and you can go there in, to the oyster festival and and do it on uh, you know on a savings that you wouldn't have expected, because Charleston also can be a very expensive city, as I'm sure you know, Rob.
0: And then what about uh, if you want to do that European trip, uh, go to Ireland, go to London, go to Paris. Uh, How does their climate stack up to ours as as far as uh, uh, the harshness of winter?
1: Well, you know what? My husband and I always laugh about this, that Anchorage, Alaska, is often warmer than, uh, than Chicago in the wintertime. So the answer is they're all going to be warmer. It's not going to be April in Paris where it's going to be lovely in springtime, but you know, we know how to to handle cold weather. We're Chicagoans, right? So you get to Ireland, you get to London, you get to Paris and it's going to be a little warmer, maybe a little damper. So you want to take your raincoat or your umbrella but it doesn't mean that you can't have a great time
0: there. Yes, yeah, so you just get to uh, experience the, uh, the the winter weather over there that uh, inspired our bleakest authors. Cindy Richards, editor in chief of Travel.com, <laughs> based in Chicago, thank you for joining us today. Join us this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday and still to come planning your next trip using AI. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Artificial intelligence is set to revolutionize travel planning. Join Us to explain is Angie Rice, co founder of Boutique Travel Advisors based in Scottsdale, the website travelbta.com. Angie, thank you for joining us today. And as somebody who is in the uh, business of planning trips for people, AI is it uh, a helper or could it be a threat to people like you?
4: You really do have to embrace AI and technology, especially when sometimes it fails you and you have your phone on mute. But Um, I'll share with you, we've really taken the approach as a small boutique agency to embrace AI, and we've adapted our own internal, Iris is the name of our AI, and we also share it on our website, travelbta.com. You can kind of toy around with our own travel-inspired AI gadget, Iris. But there are so many different ways to kind of use AI, and I'm happy to discuss it with you.
0: Now, before we talk about the ways we can use AI in travel planning, you are the second guest uh, on the show today uh, to uh, have their phone on mute as the segment began. So I don't know; there must be something in the air uh, in Arizona and in Massachusetts. It's across the country, uh, like leaving your phone on mute. Apparently, the craze that's sweeping the nation. So, uh, Angie, uh, <laughs> it's it's just it's just that kind of a day. So, uh, but. but- how how can uh, AI how are you using AI to uh, to to help people plan their trips?
4: It's really helping us do a better job of taking a destination that is a wealth of information and has a lot of different neighborhoods, take Paris for example, and you're building an itinerary based around visiting the Notre Dame, visiting the Louvre, doing a day trip to Versailles. What we've been using AI for is to really help our clients navigate a particular day in Paris based on a specific neighborhood. So it helps us locate names of restaurants in that area, shopping, as well as some hidden gems in the, in the category of coffee shops.
0: And is this the kind of thing that can help you in planning an itinerary for a guest uh, maximize their time in a particular neighborhood uh, where, you know, you, you leave the hotel at a particular time and then you get to this, this, and this, and you feel like you've seen everything even though you've only been out for maybe nine hours?
4: Exactly. And I also think it's really, really helpful for people who are revisiting destinations, well, on the flip side, it's really good for people visiting who are newer to travel. I think you still have to be careful, similar to human error. AI makes ridiculous errors sometimes. For example, I've been utilizing AI for a trip to Japan and all of a sudden they are referring a hotel that's across the country because the city happens to be located, the city name happens to be in more than one destination, an AI that sometimes can't decipher the two. But it's really helpful if you use it more for generalization. How do I spend three days in Paris where I want to spend one day in the Latin Quarter, one day, you know, visiting the, um, you know, the the area around the Louvre, And it starts to give you some guidance on how to spend, you know, six hours versus eight hours. Just tell the AI how much time and whether you're walking or using the train or public transportation what you want to do is fact check your ai of course and you might not be able. there are some resources that are getting us closer to be able being able to book travel for example if you go to our website you can say you know list certain hotels in paris that are four star versus five and we've trained our ai to recommend the four star and the five star hotels that we've vetted and so it gets you closer to narrowing down your options And then there's some chatbots such as Vacay Chatbot does a really good job of allowing you to find live events and concerts in certain destinations based on your travel dates. So I think that's a really cool tool. And then Roam Around is a great um, app that does a better job of using visuals. So you can ask Roam Around questions and that'll also pop up visuals. So you have a better representation maybe of a property versus a neighborhood so you can look at and say does that have the right vibe for the type of trip that i'm taking
0: angie rice thanks for joining us today